Pastor Ted. Can you hear me now? Okay. So, this book here has changed my life. I think it changed yours too. That's probably why you're here today. And um, I ended up memorizing a lot of scripture because I didn't mean to. I was meditating on it, and it just, it just starts to flow into you, and you end up memorizing it. And I'd like to share with you a couple passages that mean a whole lot to me. Um, they're personal passages that really changed me. And I was, of course, born at a very early age. I was really ugly, they said. I don't know. I was pretty young then. And I didn't get to look much better, except my brother sent me one time a card that said, you were such a beautiful baby. Sort of an ugly duckling swan story in reverse. I think that's the only birthday card I ever got from him. But when I realized that God really loved me, it changed me. And I used to um, have an incredibly sensitive conscience, so much so that if I passed gas, I'd ask God for forgiveness. I'd, and... Two passages really grabbed me. One is Philippians chapter 3, and the other is Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. We're going to spend most of our time looking at a Hebrews 11 um, and 12. But um, I learned that my focus was important. And as long as my focus was on me, I would find myself discouraged a lot. When my focus was on God, it was not discouraging. Not long ago, we went to the uh, neighbor who I had a chance to work a lot with him and help him out. And he said, look, I want to do something for you. I want to sponsor you to send you to the NEAA down in Oshkosh, a flying in Oshkosh. I learned a lot more about planes than I ever knew when I went down there for two days and discovered that attitude's important with a plane. Got to have the right attitude. We have to have the right attitude, too. I can only have the right attitude if I have the right focus. And my focus has to be on God. In Philippians chapter 3, I was told there that the Apostle Paul had three goals in life, to know Jesus, to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And then he said this. He said, Forgetting those things that are behind, and reaching forth those that are before, I pressed toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I want to keep focused on Jesus. I want to press forward with Jesus. Turn please to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You know that's a faith passage? I think most of us here want to please God. And the way to please God is live by faith. Because the Bible says, 
here in Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3, through faith we understand the words, worlds were framed by the word of God, so things which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. Then you have a list of people who live by faith. By faith Abraham, Abel, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated, he should not see death. And he was not found, because God had translated him. For before he translated him, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved his fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with, Ab with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let's pray. Father, for a few moments we look at your word together, speak to us. Use your word in our hearts and lives and make us what you want us to be. Your Father, take these lips and heart and speak the heart of each one here today. Lord, you know what the needs are today. Your Father, use your word to transform us, to make us all you want us to be. To give us the right attitude. Not only a heart of obedience, but Father, a heart of joy as we think of all that we have in you. Lord, thank you for by saving us by grace through faith. And we ask you to help us to live by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hate driving by faith. Do you? Do you ever follow somebody? And they say, you say, how do I get there? Oh, don't worry about it. Just follow me. And they squeeze a lemon. They go through a yellow light late, and you're stuck at a red. That ever happened to you? Oh, I hate that. I said, no, no, no. You tell me where you're going. <laughs> I don't trust following people. I especially don't trust following my little sister. She used to, we didn't have a TV growing up, and she used to blindfold me and lead me around, and she'd lead me to trees. I couldn't trust her. I discovered that early on. It's a good thing to learn early on. I hate following the wrong thing. There are some things not worth putting your faith in. When I was a little bit younger, and my brother had been out in um, Chicago, and he came home with a big black umbrella, and I had never seen, I don't think, one before, but I had seen these parachutes, and that parachute and umbrella looked a lot alike. So I thought, I'm going to try this out. How do you think that worked out? <laughs> How did you know? Did you try it too? <laughs> I jumped out the chicken coop roof, and I landed on a post. I wish I hadn't done that. I have my faith in the wrong thing. We all have faith, right? Don't we? 
Every time you get on the highway, you demonstrate your faith, right? You're expecting people you've never met before to stay on the right-hand side of the road. Does that always happen? No, but you've never met these people before, and you still trust them, right? Uh Uh-huh. Every time you go to a restaurant, you trust that the food is good, right? Yeah? You really do. Um, Every time you go into a building in the wintertime up here in the UP, you trust they knew what they were doing when they put the, the roof up. We had 14 roofs collapse in Elder County one year. 14. You have faith in these things. How about our faith in God? How strong is that? We have examples here of faith, of men who were lived by faith. Abel worshipped by faith, right? He offered the right sacrifice. He worshipped by faith. And being dead, he yet speaks. Enoch walked by faith and was not because God took him. Abraham went out by faith, eh? He did? Oh, Noah worked by faith. God said there's a flood's coming, and he worked for 120 years building an ark. And he was saved in all of his family. Joshua warred by faith. We have all these examples of faith. Without faith, it's not possible to please God. We have to live by faith. We have to trust God. Who do you trust more than God? Be honest. Think in your heart for a moment. Is there anyone you trust more than God? Hope not. Do you trust this book above everything else? This is the Bible, by the way. Do you trust this above everything? A lot of times we think that the Bible tells us what's right to do, but go somewhere else for something we think is smarter to do. This book right here is not only right, but it's smart. It's smart. The Bible says that the blessed man, Psalm 1, doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit with the scornful, but his delights in the law of the Lord, in his law he meditates day and night. What does it say? It says he'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Bring forth his fruit in his season, he leaves will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Want a prosperous life? Follow this book. I've met a lot of Christians, and they have a regenerated heart. I really, truly believe they're born again. But they have a pagan mind. Ever meet someone like that? Walks in the calms of the ungodly? Thinks the way they do around you? You know one of the big differences between you, I hope, and people out there who are not born again, but are good people? The big difference is attitude. You and I can rejoice even when things aren't good, right? Why? Because we rejoice not in our circumstance, we rejoice in who? The Lord. What does Philippians 4.4 say? Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say, rejoice. Why does he repeat it twice? I've got to hear it twice, eh? I went to college in Grand Rapids. And I said, Lord, give me good weather. I, you know, I hate the snow down state. It's not white like it is here. It's all gray, brown, nasty colors. And I hate following vehicles down state when they're throwing that kind of snow up on top of me. And I prayed and prayed. I said, Lord, just give me nice weather. 
Guess what? It was nice weather all week long <laughs> until Friday. The nastiest, sloppiest, you know, it was awful. And I knew when I traveled for seven and a half hours up to my house from Grand Rapids, I had to do something profitable. And so what I would do is I wrote verses out on three by fives and I'd memorize them. Is that called distracted driving? I don't know. I made it safe. And so I was memorizing Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God that past understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so I'm repeating the verse to myself, meditating on it, and grousing, saying, Lord, I really prayed and asked for good weather. <laughs> Do you know where Cedar Springs is? I made it all the way up to Cedar Springs before I realized what I was doing. I was memorizing verse telling me to one thing, I was doing just the opposite. Hey? Just because we have this book here in our heart or our head doesn't mean we're necessarily following it, hey? Faith. What's faith? Faith is trusting God above everything else, is it not? Do you trust God more or do you, or do you trust something else more than God? We have a bunch of examples here of faith. It goes on and on. If you turn to chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing we're encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, what's the witnesses? Are those those people up in heaven looking down on us? No. <laughs> witnesses to walking by faith, to the value of walking by faith. It's worth it to walk by faith. It's the only way to go. I'd be scared to death right now if I didn't know the Lord is Savior and I didn't walk by faith. Wherefore, seeing we're encompassed about by so great a call to witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, He's the one that started it. He's the one who finished it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and set down the right hand of the throne of God. We have all these witnesses. They show us that walking by faith is one way to go. You know, it says something interesting here. It says, wherefore... Seeing we're encompassed by such a great call to witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Um, <laughs> do, you ever have a, do you ever have a hard time defining sin? I've worked with a lot of teens in my life. They seem to have a very hard time defining sin. Everybody's doing it, therefore it's okay, right? No? Not? <laughs> What if it's just a little sin? A little sin's not bad, right? I visited the jail and prison a whole lot and tried to identify the guys. I'd say, how many of you guys have kids? Oh, most of them did. You know, I discovered kids are nasty on both ends. They really are on both ends. Do you ever have them burp on you? It's almost as bad as the other way, hey? 
So I'd say, how much baby poop do you allow in your water? One. Well, guess what? God can't tolerate any sin in his heaven either. None. 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 A few of you here are married, I think, right? Or been married at least. I have. We have a hard time seeing sin like God sees it. God sees sin as being unfaithful to him, loving something more than him. If your wife asked you, Honey, have you been faithful to me? And you said, Frequently, frequently. How would that go over? Frequently? Wouldn't go over at all, would it? Hmm. That doesn't work with God either. How faithful are we? (laughs) If we truly walk by faith, we're going to want to serve God. We demonstrate a love for God by obedience to God. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that does so easily beset us. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Sins can easily beset us. You don't even realize that a, a coarseness of thought or of speech or you start to think one way, you start to think like a pagan if you're around them a lot, and all of a sudden you, you start to speak like them. Lay aside the weight in sin that easily beset us and run with patience the race before you. God has a plan for each one of our lives, and he wants us to follow that plan and run it with patience. Don't give up. You guys, you're going to think I'm goofy, okay, but when I was a kid, I was impatient. Any of you have been impatient when you were a kid? Any of you impatient? No? No. When I was a kid, I remember being 11 and a half years old. Any of you remember being 11 and a half or 11 and three quarters, even 11 and seven eighths? Do you remember that? I couldn't wait for my next birthday couldn't wait. Are we there yet? <laughs> Do you ever take grandkids with you or kids with you? Are we there yet, right? In a real hurry. Sometimes we think God is awfully slow. You ever pray and God doesn't seem to answer your prayer request as quickly as you wish you would? Well, yeah. When I was a little kid, my mom told me an amazing thing. She said, you know that ugly looking furry worm that's a caterpillar if you put that caterpillar on some milkweed it's going to eat the milkweed and, and then pretty soon you've got to put it in a jar with holes in it okay and in the top remember those old do you have canning jars do you ever poke holes in them and keep bugs and stuff lightning bugs or anything and, and said and then after a while it's going to make this it's going to form this case around itself a, a cocoon and if you're patient and you keep it careful all winter long, next spring a beautiful butterfly is going to come out. Oh, yeah, right. That's not likely, is it? Back when I was a little kid, we got, oh, you should have seen the weather back then. It was really bad. You know, snow really tight, right? Until I'm kind of old. And, of course, like you who are older, you probably walked um, to school each day, three miles uphill both ways, carrying a little sister in your back through snow that was chest deep, right? 
Oh, just like me. But winter's got long. I kept looking at that jar. Honestly, you'd think it was dead. It made this ugly brown thing around. I guess it's called a chrysalis, right? It looks so bad. I thought, this has got to have died. I'm going to just check it out. <laughs> so I opened it up, and what happened? Think a, think a monarch butterfly ever came out of that? No, why? I was too impatient, right? I was too impatient. I didn't have faith <laughs> in what my mom said. I didn't believe that anything beautiful like a butterfly was going to come out of that ugly, dead-looking chrysalis. You'd be surprised what God can do with an ugly, dead chrysalis. You'd be surprised what God can do in your life. You'd be surprised what God can do in your kid's life, (laughs) your parent's life, your neighbor's life, if you give them time. God is a little more... interested in the growth of our faith than he is in our feeling comfortable. And sometimes he doesn't answer a request quite when we want him to because he wants our faith to keep growing. Let us lay aside, let us lay aside every weight in the sin he besets us. Run with patience race set before us looking to Jesus who is not only the author of our faith <laughs> he designed it. He died on the cross. The Father sent his Son. The Son died. The Holy Spirit makes us born again. Jesus died, and he saves us. And he's not done with us yet. Um, I have a couple of flaws. Maybe you've discovered some of them already. You know I'm really glad for? <laughs> the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, Beloved, I will behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. We should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. It doesn't know him not. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. It doesn't need to appear what you shall be. But you know, when he shall appear, when Jesus appears, you'll be like him, for you'll see him like he is. <sighs> Someday I'll be like Jesus? Yes, how? In character. I can hang a sign on my neck saying, please be patient. God has not finished with me yet. Right? So can you. Do you ever go through some awful construction on a hot road? Why do you tolerate that? Because it's under construction. You're hopeful it's going to get better, right? If you can't write, please be patient, God is not finished with us yet because it's too long, just say under construction. We're under construction. And one day we're going to be perfect like Jesus. The third verse in 1 John chapter 3 says, and every man that has his hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. You know, we can live a, a life in, for God, and when we fail, we get up and keep going at it, knowing that someday we're going to be perfect like Jesus Christ. You need to stay focused on Jesus. Looking to Jesus, then, the author and finisher of our faith. What things distract you from looking at Jesus? What things cause you to look elsewhere? A number of things. Um, I guess we'll start with this. Sometimes the storms of life distract us. Sometimes the storms of life make us forget about God. We can even start thinking that God doesn't like us anymore. You remember when in Mark chapter... um, 
or Matthew chapter 14, uh, 28. Jesus said, um, he was walking the water, and Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me and I'll walk to you. And so Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the waves right to Jesus and kept his eyes on Jesus, and he did just fine. And then he took his eyes off Jesus and put him on the storm. What happened? He sunk, right? He had to say, Lord, save me. If we just focus on the storms of our life, they look really big. We focus on God. Our storms look a lot smaller. They really do. The saddest part, when the disciples were caught in a storm and Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat, what did they say? Lord, carest thou not that we what? Perish? Wait a minute. They thought just because God allowed a storm in their life that he was going to let them drown? I can picture that. Itinerant teacher drowns along with all of, no. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen, was it? Where was their faith? He, he stilled the storm and said, where's your faith? God is bigger than any storm that's ever going to come in our life. There is no storm that's bigger than God. And that's the truth. If you want to ask me about it, I've had a few storms. <laughs> I lost my mom, my, my brother, excuse me, my mom, my father, my sister close together, my sister in a car accident, lost my wife, buried my brother. I have about one family member left. It's right there. Um, well, I guess I have a sister too in California. But in all that, God is with us. All of that, God, God is with us. What things separate can... Turn us away from God. Make us not look at God. Sometimes our values. You remember that Peter said, and Jesus said, who, who am I? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, flesh and blood hasn't shown that to you, but the Holy Spirit has. Oh, but my Father in heaven, rather. And then he said, by the way, I'm going to the cross. And Peter said, not so, Lord. He rebuked Jesus. And what did Jesus say? What do you say? Your values are wrong, aren't they? The values of man, not to. He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. And then he told Peter, rebuked Peter. And he said, Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but of man. Mark 8 35. Peter didn't want the Lord Jesus to go to the cross, he wanted to reign with Christ. Some of these values are misplaced. Do you ever have someone say, well, you really deserve that, or you deserve better? I remember when I built my house, and I'd been living in a trailer, and missionary, doing a missionary pastorate, and, and I had to move out of the trailer. <laughs> I had no choice, and I had bought some land, and I started building a house. I remember someone saying, well, you really deserve that. How do you respond to that? I deserve a house. You know what I really deserve? Apart from the grace of God, what do I deserve? Well, that kind of hurts my feelings. <laughs> Did I hear you right? You're right. Apart from the grace of God, I deserve hell. I do. Everything I have is by the grace of God. I can't say, well, I deserve this. You know, I should have this. I should have... No. Uh-uh. 
Luke 17.10, we read, So likewise you, when you have done all these things that are commanded of you, say we are unprofitable servants, we've simply done what is our duty to do. Think of what God has done for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, we surely owe him our life. He died for us. We certainly should live for him. Some people get focused on things like Peter, like Lot. He looked at the well-watered plain of Jordan and um, what happened? He lost everything. Some people focus on their self and their personal failures. Um, I used to look in the mirror and do you ever look in the mirror and see if your face is, is balanced? Mine's not. If you hit me in the nose, you have to kind of go like this. It's kind of crooked a little bit. It's been broken before. And, you know, I got a huge scar here. You see that terrible scar? I get bit by a dog right there when I was a little kid. You see that? Is that doesn't really bother you? No. I think I have a dent in my head, too, and a black spot. Who cares? <laughs> as a kid, that might be very important to us. And as an, as an adult, sometimes we compare ourselves to other people. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, that they compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Be all you can be for God, but don't worry about how you compare to others. And don't worry about your failures. Any of you ever made a mistake? I have. Um, what do you do when you make a mistake? You know what Peter did? He denied Jesus three times. What did he say? He said, I go a-fishing. Right? John 21, 3. He went back to his former life. I really blew it. There's no hope for me. <laughs> I denied Jesus three times. I'm just going to go back to my, my former way of life. What happened when he did that? The disciples went with him, didn't they? Many of them. We pull other people out with us. We impact others. <sighs> Jesus restored Peter. He gave him three times to tell to affirm his love toward him. Our past can hold us back, but it shouldn't. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10 says, I'm the least of the apostles not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Can you imagine that? He caused men and women to go to their deaths before he was saved. And yet he said, by the grace of God, I am, I am what I am what I am. He said, forgetting the things behind and reaching forth those that are before, I press to the mark of the prize, high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What do you do when you've sinned? Anybody here quote 1 John 1 7? The blood of Jesus Christ. Keep going. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from what? How much sin? Not all. All of it? All sin? There's some sin. Really? Yeah, all sins. You know, the state of Utah, last I knew, they still had capital punishment, if you wanted to, by firing squad. How come? They said there were some sins so bad that you had to shed your own blood. Gary Gilmore was put to death by firing squad. Guess what? There is no sin that God's blood, God's blood cannot cleanse you from. 
We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So, did you ever really goof up really bad? And you made things right with God, you made things right with people, and you still feel like you have 3D old garbage on you? What do you do then? I've heard people say, well, I know God's forgiven me. I just can't forgive myself. Do you ever hear that? Well, I think we have to accept it, God's forgiveness. I'd like you to turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. So you know I'm not quoting this wrong. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. says this, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Hey? Yeah. Do you live by feeling or by faith? Faith, I hope, right? Our feelings may not have, not have anything to do with reality. We live by Faith. If God says he's cleansed us, he's cleansed us. God doesn't lie. Sometimes our past holds us back and distracts us from Jesus. Sometimes criticism does. Or it can. I appreciate 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You might want to turn there too. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What is important to God is not that you leap tall buildings with a single bone, but that you're faithful. Right? What does 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 say? Let a man so count of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards a man be found faithful. Okay? But with me, it's a very small thing if, that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. In yea, I judge not mine own self. For nothing by myself, yet am I not thereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before its time, until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make, every, and will make manifest the counsel of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. What does Paul say? I'm not qualified even to judge myself. He said, but someday God will. I'm going to trust God in this. And therefore, he says, a small thing if you, if you judge me. <laughs> in other words, he's considering the source. He's saying, I'm going to please one person, that is who? God. Any of you guys ever worked for an idiot? Don't, don't raise your hand. You might get in trouble. There was a saying at work, wasn't very nice, but I'll just say, I'll revise it. Garbage goes to the what? Top, hey? What do you do? You ever work for an idiot who doesn't know his head from the hole on the ground and who he has no clue how to do the job? He just likes to yell at you because you don't do it his way. 
I've been through there before. You know the Bible says, when you work, your work is under who? God, right? You know there's a reward for doing a good job at work? There is. Look at Colossians. Turn, please, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Wow. There's a reward for doing a good day's work, even for an idiot. You're not working for the idiot, you're working for God. There's a lot more, and um, I guess I'd like to share one more with you. We can also get discouraged. Maybe two more. Um, because we feel like we're all alone, working all by yourself. In Luke 10, verse 40, Martha was busy serving, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. And Martha said, Lord, don't you care? <laughs> Don't you care? She said Jesus didn't care because she had to work all by herself. There was nothing wrong with Martha working. The problem was, I think, Martha's attitude in the work. We can get our eyes on others working and wonder what they're doing. The disciples said, well, what about John? What about him? Because, you know, they knew Peter was going to die. And Jesus said, if he remains until I come, what is, what's that to you? And then, they, and then he gives the, the Great Commission. You do what I've called you to do. Sometimes a thorn in the flesh, a weakness, personal weakness, can really hurt us, really hinder us, and get us really discouraged. This past week I've had a, a jaw. I wish I could have got rid of it. My head really, really hurt. I, when you have a headache, you don't want to get rid of your head, but it hurts you to keep it. And I had a terrible from because of a, of a toothache. And I've never been so grateful. I never take pain meds, but I got some pain meds and got some antibiotics, and then my jaw's getting better. But I'll tell you what, it was hard to focus with the pain. Some of you may live in pain every single day. The Apostle Paul said, when he asked God to remove the thorn in the flesh, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength made perfect weakness. I will gladly, therefore, glory in my infirmity that God's power rests upon me. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. So, in conclusion, what do we say? I say, be steadfast, unmovable, and abound in the work of the Lord. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't let anything distract you. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the, the shame, but now is set down on the throne of, of God. Same thing in our life. We're in an age of down here of humiliation. This is not glory. There's some wonderful things down here, but our time of glory is going to be up there. It's not easy serving God, but always is worth it. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, verse 14, I reckon the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with that glory that should be revealed in us. Um, 
don't forget who you're serving. The church in Ephesus, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, they were doing everything right. They had the right doctrine. They're working hard. They, they really loved as they ought to love, love people. But they forgot one thing. They forgot their first love, Jesus Christ. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is set down on the throne of God. May God bless you as you continue to serve him. I will say, be not weary in well-doing. And do see and you reap if you faint not. Um, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you for your love for us. Dear Father, thank you that it's not always easy, but it's always worth it serving you. Thank you, Lord, that you take these difficult things in our life and use them for our good and for your glory. Lord, you add fruit to our life. Lord, you make us what you want us to be through them. You never leave us nor forsake us. And dear Father, you give us the grace to go through it. Bless us, dear congregation, each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Just in the same way the Lord had Troy visiting with Stephen Alicia yesterday to be close when his mom needed him about a month ago and I was talking to Pastor Troy about speaking and he said he was going to speak about faith. I wasn't even making the connection with Bible school. But if you look on our first memory verse up there for Monday, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the middle there, after Adam and Eve, we talked about Abel's sacrifice being in obedience to the Lord. Then we have Noah, and then we had Abraham. Any of that sound familiar? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Ted. Just appreciate that. Reminders that we walk by faith.